Are you walking a hard but beautiful journey? Are you sitting in a space that you never thought you'd be? Have you experienced infertility, a miscarriage, adoption? Or are you parenting kids with a behavioral disability? Have these struggles put unbearable strains on your relationships? Or have you struggled with your mental health? I have experienced all of this. My husband and I struggled with infertility and fought for our three beautiful children, our miracles. We went through the struggles, the pain, and the financial burden of IVF in order to have these incredible children. And that journey was so freaking hard. We felt like failures and we felt alone in our struggle. And now all three of our children have been diagnosed with ADHD, ODD, and anxiety disorders. And if possible, that has been even more challenging. Again, we have felt alone, confused, like we were bad parents, like we were being judged at every turn. It has tested our marriage. It has broke me many times to the point of two complete mental breakdowns. So if you are experiencing this, please know you are not alone. That's why I've created this safe space for you so that we can together find the education, resources, support, mentorship, inspiration, and more that we need to grow on this hard yet beautiful journey. Because at the end of it all, I wouldn't trade a second of what I went through because these children, our marriage, our family, and my mental health is worth fighting for. I'm also here to remind you that telling your story is part of the journey. Someone in your life, someone in the world needs to hear it and I will be encouraging you along the way to tell your story. I'm Tiffany Vaughn. I'm so grateful you're here. It's time to walk your own hard, beautiful journey. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me for episode one. I can't believe this is actually happening and I am starting my own podcast. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your day to listen. I do not take that lightly at all. I am beyond honored that you are here and I'm not going to lie. I am so nervous that I'm taking this on, but also excited to just start talking and see where this journey takes me because I have a lot to say. And I also know many other people that have amazing stories to share on this podcast, stories that you will get so much value from. One of my mentors, Kathy Heller, has said, your mess is your message. And I truly believe that the challenges we have been through have been for this purpose, in order to help someone else that is going through what we did or are still going through, because we are never alone in our struggles. I thought I would take the first few episodes to tell you a bit about myself, about my family, and about our hard, beautiful journey. I want you to know what it looks like for me and my family and where we have been to where we are now. And then from there, I want to keep you beside me and me beside you as a source of support and a place to be real and a place to laugh. If I have one mission for this podcast, it is for you to laugh or at least be a reason to smile during your day. There may be the occasional cuss word on this podcast, and for that, I do apologize, and I will try my very best to limit them. 
For the purpose of this episode and probably other ones down the line, the word coitus refers to SCX because my entire family is huge Big Bang Theory fans. James even calls me Amy Farrah Fowler, not because I'm a genius, but because I apparently have a really good ping pong serve, but the rest of my game is very suspect. So my very first question to you, my fine listener, is have you ever bought something in hopes that it would magically help you in another area of your life? Like a new pair of shoes, hoping they would bring you good luck at that job interview or on a date. Well, we bought something that still makes us laugh to this day, and I can't wait for you to find out what it is. I guess I'll start with our infertility journey. My husband James and I endured a very, very long infertility struggle. Ours is actually mild compared to some, but in our lives it was a painful journey with many, many lows followed by unreal highs with the birth of our three kids through the assistance of in vitro fertilization. My whole life, I have been a high achiever, and I mean always. Just ask my mom and dad. In fact, check out the show notes where I have posted a photo of my bedroom. Growing up, that clearly shows all of my awards, ribbons, everything hanging on my wall. It was just in me to want to win, get good grades, be the best. And there will be many stories told in future episodes about how that has helped me, but also made situations in my life even harder to accept, like becoming a mom. I couldn't have a baby on my own. And trust me when I say that there was a lot of trying. My extremely handsome hubby, James, and I got married back in 2003 when I was 29 years old. We got married on a beach in Mexico, surrounded by our families and a few of our closest friends, and we started trying to have a family immediately. And I really mean right away. My friend and bridesmaid was also trying to have a baby around the same time. We talked nonstop about how great it would be to have our babies at the same time and that we could be on maternity leave together. I was convinced this was going to happen right away. Why would I think otherwise? No one in my family had issues having kids that I was aware of. That first month that I didn't get pregnant was a complete shock. But why was I so shocked? I'm still not sure. I guess I truly did believe it was just easy and that you got pregnant right away. And remember, I was 29, so not a young kid with no life experience. For sure next month it will happen. Don't worry, Tiffany. It will happen. Okay. Maybe next month it will happen. And the months just kept passing by. I was in the CPA program working on getting my accounting designation at this time, so I started to think that the stress of working full-time and going to school at night was part of the reason that I wasn't getting pregnant. So James and I talked, and I decided that I would take a semester off and just try and eliminate some of the stress that was going on in my life, just to hopefully allow us to be more successful. Because that's what they say, right? Just eliminate some stress, relax, it will happen. James and I were also playing very competitive slow pitch at the time. And I started to think maybe I shouldn't be playing sports. Is that causing too much stress on my body? Is the occasional drink that I have after a game contributing to the issue? The endless list of questions just kept getting bigger and bigger. So, 
we got a dog. Our sweet Kobe would be our baby, and that dog would fill the void for sure. And boy, did he do a good job, for a while at least. Until one day I had a thought. What if we bought a minivan? That would surely be a sign to the big guy upstairs that we were ready. Okay, people. I know you're wondering, how in the world did I convince myself and James that we should buy a minivan when we didn't even have a baby? That is how convincing I am, I guess. But seriously, holy crap. So we traded in our very nice looking SUV, which ran perfectly fine, by the way, for a red Dodge Grand Caravan that we also lost money on. I'm not kidding. That's how badly I wanted to have a baby. Well, after many months of no success, I was resigned to admit that the van wasn't the help that we needed to have a baby. Fine, James, you were right. I was wrong. But I was still unsure what we should do next. So I talked to my doctor. And she used the word that would be a part of our lives forever. Infertility. Um, excuse me, doc, but what does that even mean? Google was still fairly new at the time, and I wasn't even really sure how to use it, let alone research what the heck my doctor just said. So anyway, she said, all you can do for now is just keep trying. And once it's been a full year of trying to conceive, then I'll refer you to the fertility program. And you can meet with the doctors that are at that clinic. But just try and relax and just enjoy being newlyweds. Okay, mm -hmm, sure. Did I mention that I'm an impatient person? Yeah, so I've been known to be impatient, so fertility struggles did not go well with my personality at all. Some people can be more chill about it, but it just was not in my DNA. I'm pretty sure it was May 15th, 2004, which was one year to the day we started trying, and our one-year anniversary, that I made the call to my doctor as soon as they opened because I needed answers. My doctor referred me to a gynecologist that specializes in fertility issues, and I remember sitting in that specialist's office crying and asking what was wrong with my body and why could it not do what is so easy for others. She ordered some blood work and a test called an HSG, which it's a really long word and I'm, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. Anyway, it's a procedure that uses an x-ray that looks at your fallopian tubes and your uterus, and it takes about five minutes in the hospital, and I went home the same day. I was really looking forward to this test, having some answers for me. I really thought it would, but it didn't. Everything was hunky-dory in that area, so nope, that's not the problem. It was right around this time that I got the news from my friend and my bridesmaid that she was pregnant. And I'm not going to lie, I was angry. I was an angry hornet. Not at her, that is for sure, but just with the situation because it sucked. And then another friend was announcing they were expecting, and then another, and another. It was like they were baby-making machines. The more I heard these pregnancy announcements, the more sad I became. So, what's the next natural step in an infertility journey? 
You may think it's to go on a romantic getaway and have unlimited amounts of coitus with your hot hubby. Nope. It was definitely to get another dog. Obviously, Kobe needed a playmate since we were at work all day. And so that's when Haley joined our family. If we couldn't have kids, we were going to be dog parents. And we were amazing dog parents. Like, amazing. We did everything with those dogs. We took them to the park every day. We walked them every day. We threw the ball. It was awesome. And yeah, for sure, I was one of those loons that said out loud that our dogs were just as much work as kids. Because clearly, I was a nut job. Meanwhile, we kept going on with our lives. I was still taking my CPA courses in the evenings while working full time. And we continued playing ball every day of the week. And it was our way of trying really, really hard to not think about the fact that we weren't getting pregnant. James and I really did have a lot of fun during this time with our friends and teammates. So we will never, ever be sad about that. Then I turned 30. And I experienced my first big mental breakdown, and it scared me. There were a couple of situations that highlighted something was not quite right with my brain. The first was while I was sitting in one of my evening courses in the CPA program. Just as a refresher, by this point I had been taking evening classes for seven years while working full-time. I had sat in a lot of classrooms, and I distinctly remember sitting in the back of this one class, and I wanted to just start blurting out words, any words. It kind of felt like I was developing Tourette syndrome. I was physically holding my tongue in my mouth and pinching my mouth closed in order to keep myself from yelling out, this is stupid, you suck, what the hell am I doing here? And on and on. I was freaked out. What is happening to me and why is this happening? Sitting in these classrooms is hard enough and now I have to try and control my mouth? Are you kidding? Then it started happening where I was working. I was working for an amazing company in downtown Calgary and every Monday morning, the entire staff, about 18 or so of us, would sit in a boardroom and discuss what was coming up for the week. And I crazily actually enjoyed these meetings until my brain started failing me. The same age, same urge I felt in the classroom was starting to spill over into these meetings. And when people were talking, I felt like blurting out random words at them. So for one hour or more, I would quite literally hold my hand over my mouth, breathe through my nose, and swallow constantly to push down the words. It was mentally and physically draining The second those meetings were over, I would retreat to my office and be exhausted from the effort of trying to keep the words from coming out. It started happening while on elevators. Our office was on the 30th floor, so sometimes those elevator rides would exhaust me. And when those doors open and nobody was on, oh my goodness, I was so happy. Because if I did blurt out words... It was just me that would hear them. I felt like I couldn't keep going on like that. I could feel my brain abandoning me, and that is just not a good feeling. I decided to reach out to a psychologist. 
And I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know um, like what questions they asked. I didn't know how much I was supposed to say. I, I had no idea. I had never been to one. But I decided to go and I met with, uh, with him, I don't know, maybe three or four times. And he helped me realize that maybe one of the big reasons why this may be happening is because I was deeply unhappy with going to school for accounting. But I really did disagree with him. No way. I have always wanted the career as an accountant in the corner office. So what are you talking about? But then why was I crying almost every single day and just hated going to the school at night? So instead of agreeing with him, because I'm stubborn, I decided to take the rest of my program through the online courses that they just started offering. And in some respects, I felt free. I did feel better because I could sit in my home office and do my assignments in peace and quiet in my pajama pants and have as much coffee as I wanted And then when I was required, I would do the online group work. I only had to go to the school to write exams, which I was fine doing. However, I still cried almost every single day, knowing that I had courses to complete. While all of this was going on with my mental health, we were finally able to get an appointment with the regional regional fertility program here in Calgary. Our appointment was on November 30th, 2005 with Dr. Wong two and a half years after we were married. We were finally sitting in an office with a doctor that was going to make our dreams come true. Little did we know that it was still going to be a very, very long road. The typical first step in the infertility journey is to try IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. This is a process that they start with for mild infertility diagnosis. So that's where we started. It's a process where I took a drug called Clomid, which basically supports the growth and release of a mature egg. They then collected James's sperm, and they do something called washing it, and then they collect the good sperm. I was brought back in the room, and then they shot that sperm into my lady parts. And all we could do at that point is hope that one of those suckers makes its way to the egg. But let's talk about Clomid for a moment, shall we? Being on Clomid is like having a giant tire tube put around your waist, feeling like you might barf, and having hot flashes all at once. And don't even think of looking at me because I will rip your heart out. Mix this drug with my already fragile mental health, and you can appreciate how much of a saint my husband is. God bless him. So we started round one of IUI and nope, no success. All right, we can handle paying for it again, I guess. It's only a couple hundred dollars. So on to round two of IUI. And nope, no luck. Round three, same thing. Okay, what in the actual hell is going on? How is it possible that there are four million sperm shot into my body And not one of those suckers could find the egg. Were they blind sperm? Well, it turns out they kind of were. James had something called decreased sperm motility and decreased morphology. And in a nutshell, this means that many sperm had heads with no tails or just tails, just not the full package. So there were many, many little swimmers that just couldn't really swim. They were blind, or sorry, they weren't blind, 
but they couldn't move very well. So there went another whole year. 2006 was gone and still no baby for us. But here's where it got very sad and very happy all at once. My baby sister Denise and her hubby were expecting. And of course I cried happy tears for them, but I definitely cried sad tears for us. The good news kept on coming. Dr. Wong advised us that he wanted to check me for endometriosis. And because of the horrendous periods I had experienced from day one, he said there was a very good chance that I had scar tissue built up on my fallopian tubes and uterus. So he recommended that I have a laparoscopy surgery, which I did end up having, and it turned out I had moderate endometriosis. But all I do remember about that surgery is the recovery. It felt like I got shot in the shoulder by a shotgun. The pain from the gas Oh my goodness, it was so intense. So I did what I thought I should do, and that was watch The Notebook, fall in love with Ryan Gosling, and just wish that I was Allie. It did make me feel better for a while. All of this poop was just getting to be too much. It was now spring 2007, and I was in the last semester of the CPA program and just needed one more class to finally be done this never-ending road to becoming a bean counter. One more class. I couldn't believe I actually made it to that point without losing my mind entirely. But I did it, and I passed that last class and was finally done. It's an accomplishment that I am still very proud of, because it showed me what determination and hard work can do. Not long after finishing the program, I get a phone call from my big brother. He has some big news for me, but is scared to tell me. He finally spits it out. Him and his girlfriend are expecting not one, but two babies. Twins. They're having twins, naturally. And my heart was simultaneously bursting with happiness and dying from heartbreak. And then Corey said something that I will never forget until the day I die. He said, if I could, I would give you one of our babies. And we laughed and cried. Can you believe it? Like, seriously, how sweet is he? But did I mention that they were having twins naturally with no intervention? None. By this point, I just really couldn't understand how anyone had babies naturally. It was a bloody miracle, in my opinion. So in the fall of 2007, Dr. Wong recommended that we move on to the big leagues in vitro fertilization, or IVF. And my initial thoughts were, holy crap, this is where people go to make babies in a laboratory. It was just so sci-fi to me and didn't feel natural. By this point, I was angry. Super angry, actually. I was angry at God. I was angry at myself and my body. I was angry at James for his part, which I couldn't control. But don't tell that to a hormonal angry lady. And FYI, When you're angry at your spouse for not getting pregnant, the amount of baby making drops significantly, making it even more difficult to get pregnant naturally. So there's that catch 22. What people don't talk about very often is how hard infertility is on marriages. It's very rough. You need to be getting busy with the coitus, but at a certain point, It's really not enjoyable anymore. It starts to feel like a job and a job that you just keep failing at. 
And remember the high achiever in me? Yeah, it turns out James is the same, very high achiever. And so we both felt like big failures. Anywho, we had to suck it up and realize if we wanted a chance at having a child, we needed to do what the fertility clinic said and just follow their protocol and hope for the best. I'm just now realizing that some of you may have no idea what in vitro fertilization even is, so I thought it would be a good idea to summarize it. Naturally, a woman produces one egg once a month, and that egg has to find a sperm and fertilize in order to produce a pregnancy. But with IVF, the woman takes medication that essentially shuts down her reproductive system and then starts it back up again in a controlled way in order to hopefully produce multiple follicles and eggs rather than just one. The medications include one that you spray up your nostrils and also multiple needles every day. While all of these drugs are being taken, She is also going to the clinic frequently to get blood work and ultrasounds to check on how her body is responding to the protocol. If her body is responding as expected, there should be multiple follicles present on an ultrasound, and each follicle has the potential to release one egg. If there are follicles present, the eggs are extracted through a day surgery procedure called egg retrieval. Those eggs are then put into a petri dish with the sperm and they fertilize and are now considered a zygote. However, in some cases, two other procedures may still need to be used to help that egg and sperm hook up. Let's call it Tinder dish. When there are sperm morphology or motility issues, there is a process called ICSI, which is intracytoplasmic sperm injection, that basically leads the sperm to the egg for the hookup. Remember, the sperm in these situations are shy and they need more help. The second process is called assisted hatching. This is a procedure that helps the embryo hatch and attach to the uterus. Once the sperm and the egg hook up, they are watched by a team of embryologists for three to five days and given very, very little privacy while getting to know one another. The embryologists are giving you updates frequently about a number of things like how many embryos you have, what quality they are, their cellular components, fragmentation, timing of division. Remember, sci-fi. If they are good quality embryos, meaning seven to eight cells that have good structure, you are then scheduled for an embryo transfer. This again is a day surgery type procedure at the fertility clinic. And you need to have a full bladder. So full, you likely will pee on the doctor. Then you wait two weeks. Okay, so now that you know how it all works, hopefully it will make our story more understandable. I was 33, and they gave me medication levels for my age and medical situation. At my first ultrasound, I had zero follicles. Not one, zero. And I think the doctors were pretty shocked. So they immediately bumped up my drug dosages, and a couple days later, I went back for another ultrasound and I think I had one or two. They were pretty shocked again, and this time they looked concerned. So they bumped me up to the highest dose possible, which if you're following along, more drugs equals more money equals more crazy lady. 
I was taking drug dosages that they typically give to women over the age of 40, and I was in my early 30s. This is where God stepped in. Normally, I was going to my appointments by myself because there were just so many of them. But on this particular day, James came with me to support me during my blood work and ultrasound. He knew I was feeling pretty low about how everything was going and how my body was responding to the protocol that they gave us. So I had the test as usual, and when we were done, the doctor asked us to wait across the hallway for a meeting. So we knew it was bad. The doctor came in and let us know that even with the highest dosage of medication, my body was just not producing the way it should be, and he gave us the choice of either stopping the cycle and try again a couple months later, or continue and be prepared for no eggs. With zero hesitation, James looked at the doctors and said, we're continuing on, and we'll see what happens. I know for a fact I would have shut it down if he wasn't there. That's how tired I was. So we continued on, and I ended up with 12 follicles, of which 7 had eggs in them, And they give you this news while you're laying on a gurney in a recovery room with other ladies who just had the procedure done. The lady beside me ended up with 22 eggs. What the hell? And we were about the same age. Also, we were told because of the sperm morphology issues, it was in our best interest to use ICSI and assisted embryo hatching. I guess you could say we needed to use the full menu of services available at the fertility clinic. Seven of those eggs fertilized into four embryos. Two of them were transferred into me. One died prior to the freezing process, and one was placed in cryo storage for us to use another time. I'm going to be real with you, though. Watching your embryos be put into your body via a TV screen while peeing ever so lightly onto a doctor was not how I pictured the conception of our children. But whatever, I was willing to have a baby however it was decided for us. Once the embryos are in, you then start the dreaded two-week wait. And I am not exaggerating when I say the two-week wait for people going through infertility is probably the longest 14 days that they will ever ever endure. I took two weeks off work and quite literally laid horizontal on the couch every single day, all day, except to go to the washroom. It made me nervous even going to the bathroom. I was afraid I would pee the embryo out. Ask any woman that has gone through this and they will agree. It is a real worry. We were also in the process of building our new home at this time, so we didn't even have our home to be comfortable in to wait for the results. But thankfully, we were gifted the opportunity to stay at a condo in Calgary for free while we waited for our house to be finished. My mom and James's mom came up to Calgary to be with us for the day we were supposed to get the results. I took the urine sample to the clinic and then went back to the condo to wait for the call. But it took a long time for them to get back to us, so we were getting restless and thought maybe we should just go to the mall and go for lunch or go shopping just to take our mind off of things. So we hopped into the red minivan. Remember the baby van? James was driving with his mom in front and I was sitting in the back with my mom. And my cell phone rang. And it was the clinic. 
And I really did think I was going to pass out, like legitimately pass out. I answered it. And the nurse gave me the best news I have ever heard in my entire life. You are pregnant. Whatever she said after that, I will never know because I didn't hear it. I didn't hear any of it. I was too busy crying. I was looking at James and our moms and just thanking God for finally answering our prayers. And when we arrived at the mall, I finally got out of the red van. I grabbed James and I hugged him so hard, so hard. And I just thanked him for not letting me give up, for fighting for this baby when I was too tired and heartbroken to keep going. And a week later, we drove that red minivan to our new home. And I went directly to the room that would now be our baby's room. And I thank God again for answering our prayers. Gratitude is one of the values that I hold highest in my life. I have been practicing gratitude on a daily basis for about two years now. And with absolute certainty, I know it is life-changing. So when I decided to start this podcast... I knew that I wanted to incorporate gratitude in every episode, whether it's just me or if I have a guest, because there is always something to be grateful for in the hard times and the beautiful times. So for today's episode, I would like to end with some of the things from this episode that I am grateful for. I am grateful for the many nudges I have been receiving from the big guy and his angels to get me to start this podcast. If you are a spiritual person or believe in angels, you will know what I mean when I say my angels have been sending me messages through numbers. My angel number is 1111 and it shows up in the most crazy places all of the time. I am grateful for the medical advances that have allowed for IVF to exist so we were able to have our kids. I am grateful for James being in that room to encourage me to keep going. I am grateful for having the strength to see a psychologist when I felt my brain failing me. And I am grateful for all of you who have taken time out of your busy lives to listen to this part of our story. There is still so much more to come. So yeah, podcasting is pretty tough. And um, here is just a little sample of how much trouble I did have doing my very first podcast. I hope you enjoy it. My husband, James, and I, uh, yeah cut. My extremely handsome hubby cut. I was in the CPA program getting cut. I need coffee like bad. Ah, coffee. A red Dodge Grand Caravan. Google was still fairly new at this time and I wasn't even really sure how to use it. So, cut. So, um, cut. Meanwhile, cut. So, nope, cut. We kept going on with our that. Nope, cut. I don't know. For one, I don't know why. Nope, cut. I need coffee. He was great. We uh, cut.
Are you really still here? Wow, I cannot believe you listened to the whole podcast. Oh my gosh. I just want to thank you again so much for being here and listening. It truly does mean the world to me. I can't thank you enough. If you like the show and the content that I'm sharing, please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. Maybe your review will be read in a future episode. You never know. You can find me in many areas in the big wide web, and I will have links to all those places in the show notes. Again, I am grateful for you. I am cheering you on and please, please remember to be kind and until next time, stay well.